Okay, so Edward, you have been involved in almost every 3D printed construction project here in Dubai, um, from working with companies I visited like Cobod, Seabay, uh, now Tony added the manufacturing, we saw the Big Five event. So today we're going to discuss a lot of these different projects and you have a really unique perspective because you're one of the few people that's worked with multiple different companies as opposed to just having uh, one narrow perspective of just a couple projects. So what was the first, your first exposure to 3D printed construction? Start there. Right. Uh, well, when we started uh, 3 Da Vinci in 2014 in Dubai, we started with plastic printing, let's say. And at the time, concrete printing was non-existent. I mean, there were very less than a handful of companies doing uh, concrete printing. And then we got contacted by uh, DIWA, which is the Dubai Electricity and Water Authority. And they were looking into 3D concrete print. They wanted to 3D print a building at their RN drone lab uh, in Solar Park, Dubai, part of their innovation mm -hmm. uh, initiative. And so what we did was we started looking around. We said, you know, it's a challenge. Let's see if we can do it. Uh, so we started looking around and we contacted a few companies at the time. We're talking about 2015. Mm -hmm. So we contacted a few companies and we came up with CBE. Uh, so we contacted CBE at the time and we, we started uh, discussing the potential of building now. Remember at that time no one has done such scale printing uh, on-site, in situ. I mean there were some projects perhaps by Winson, uh, that were done in China, but, but nothing in an uncontrolled uh, environment sure. in the middle of the desert. Uh, and, you know, you have a client and with the whole setup. Uh, we're not printing this project for us as a, as a proof of concept. It was a project with the client and you had the designers and the contractors and the subcontractors and everybody involved in this project. So it was a challenge at the time, actually. Uh, and that's how we started with concrete printing. Uh, we took it from there. We worked with the local contractor here. Uh, CBA provided the technology. Uh, we provided the overall project management, and that was our start into concrete printing. So that was a very young CBA as well. They were, um, I'm sure they've grown and changed a lot since then, just like 3D Vinci has. Um, but back then, can you describe the project you were working on, and then maybe get into some of the things that went well, some of the things that didn't go so well. Absolutely. Uh, you're right, CBA, even at that time, they were pretty young. Uh, they were just starting with the, with the technology as well. Uh, so we, we visited them in Oz, in the Netherlands, and we got to meet, we got to meet the team there, uh, got to see the robot and their work, etc. And, uh, and actually, you know, at the time, to be quite honest, they were the only one who were uh, responsive to our to our request. Mm -hmm. uh, they were pretty uh, enthusiastic and aggressive, and they really wanted to get this project going. Uh, so, so we worked with them and the contractor here. Uh, most of the problem, actually, the project went well. The, uh, we finished the project. We delivered. Uh, it was delivered on time, in a sense. Uh, the project consisted of a 160 square meter building mm -hmm. uh, with a it's one floor G uh, with the parapet and the height of the building was about four meters uh, plus add on top of that the parapets. Uh, we used the the robotic 
printer that Siebe had at the time, so it was shipped from the Netherlands here, and we shipped all the material, etc. So for me, what went well was that the project got executed. So so we delivered, uh, Siebe delivered, we delivered, everybody delivered. So the project from that perspective was good. First in Scotland. Uh, first, correct. And, and on site in Dubai. I mean, there, there was a project that was done as part of the Office of the Future mm -hmm. uh, before us, maybe two years, I think in 2014. Winter. Winter, but it was printed in China and shipped over and assembled here. Uh, the major uh, uh, requirement for the from Diwa from the client was that it has to be uh, in situ, not even on site. So you had to put the printer there, etc. And so you know we're printing in March at that time, and it's really hot. It's hot in, in March or April in Dubai. So we had to erect a tent. That was one of the challenges. So additional cost to the project. Uh, so we put a tent with the environmental control. Uh, water control, everything, you know, humidity, the temperature inside the, the tent and all of the stuff. Uh, really, the, the major, I, I would say that the, if you want, there are a lot of uh, good things that happened and bad things that happened in that particular project, of course. But I think if you want to put a headline, I would say a, a clash of culture and I think a clash of... and and not setting the right expectation. Mm -hmm. I think many people, uh, probably until now, still view 3D printing, uh, 3D concrete printing. Uh, As a quick button and go. <laughs> correct, absolutely. And then that's, there's a big mistake there. Uh, and not only in concrete, actually, even in plastics. You know, still, it's, uh, yeah. there, there's a lot of misunderstanding of the technology. And, and I think many of the 3D printing companies have actually helped create this wrong illusion about concrete printing. We'll talk about this also. Some false pretenses. Absolutely, yeah, cost and, all, and speed and all of this stuff. So there was a clash of culture primarily, uh, meaning that you were working with old existing techniques and processes and project management and materials and everything. And yet here you have a new technology, a new process, a new approach. And so to be able to explain to the different uh, or to the different stakeholders in the project, it was a bit difficult, really. The contractor, you know, I mean, they come from old school construction. Mm -hmm. uh, the labs even doing, you know, sampling of the material. How do you do sample and measure it? And so how do you measure? How do, how do you measure, a, you know, a concrete, 3D printed concrete? How do you take the sample, do you, you know, the sampling scheme, all of this stuff. Uh, so there was a ch these were uh, still are actually, but uh, but at that time it was very challenging. And with that project, did you need to chill the water before it ran through the machine? Yes, we did. What was your strategy? We just uh, used a bucket of ice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there was it wasn't I wouldn't say temperature controlled. I would just say cooled water. So because mm -hmm. we're working, we're, we're in the middle of the desert, so the water that was provided just you know was ba bathing yeah. under the sun. And the other thing that uh, was done also was printing at night. So most of the printing was happening, even inside the tent was happening from, usually from 8 p.m. till uh, 5 a.m. the second day. Was the tent something you anticipated before the project? Yes. Yes, it was uh, definitely. Uh, unless, you know, uh, you, know you, could, you can't control the time uh, schedule of the, of, the, of the entire project. Uh, so when it came to having the print, initially actually the, the project was supposed to be executed in 
Jan February, but we had uh, some design uh, issues and some, uh, you know, trying to get uh, approvals from the different authorities on the design itself. The project, honestly, all in all, was completely over-engineered. I mean, everybody was afraid that, you know, the structure would fall. It's an office that that is occupied. I mean, people are actually working there. It's not a show and tell. So, uh, you know, understandingly, the, the, the contractor and the, and the client wanted to make sure that it's a fortified, fully fortified building. It was so over-engineered, it's crazy. You know, there's so much steel in that building then. So that was one of the issues. And then even after when we finished the project, uh, we had issues with the cracks uh, that need to, to be corrected. And, uh, you know, and we worked on these as well. Did those cracks emerge right after the concrete set? Yes, very fast. Okay, and the was there anything unexpected? Did you uh, run into many unforeseen circumstances? Uh, oh, there, there was a lot, but but I would say uh, the majority were. Uh, yeah, one of the issues was, uh, for example, the material that was shipped from uh, to here from mm-hmm. from uh, from the Netherlands. Uh, I think until now we don't really know what happened, but. It, it wouldn't work from the onset mm-hmm. uh, and then I think Saibi had to dial, dial the, the parameters properly to make it uh, to make it work so there was a lot of uh, how do you call it uh, iterations in terms of doing the proper setup so what was working at Saibi in the Netherlands did not work here mm-hmm. now we had the theory that perhaps the material was uh, sitting in the sun for a long time and maybe got damaged or uh, so usually in, in, you know, in these kind of circumstances, perhaps uh, one, of the, one of the lessons learned, let's say, is, is to ensure that whatever material you bring in, that you put it in a shed or, or a controlled, somewhat controlled environment as well. So that, that was a big one because it delayed the project by several weeks. And there was a big learning curve there, I'm sure. Uh, if there's anything you can point out that you learned from that project that you brought to the future projects is there anything particularly the most valuable lesson you got from it yeah <laughs> select the right people to work with no really it's it's very important to whether it's a contractor or the technology provider or or even the client uh, setting up the expectations and and and, and being uh, truthful at the beginning of the project is key because I think uh, many people go into the project to 3D printing concre- in concrete and uh, they are completely, you know, their expectations are completely off. Yeah, that's why I love doing these kind of conversations with people like you because we're not selling the technology. We're kind of like, you are a buyer of the technology and so you're able to be objective and uh, say things without the marketing sheen on top. Um, so that was the first project that you did here in Dubai, and then what was the second project you move on? Yeah, the second project was uh, we uh, after this project we, we kept looking into there weren't too many uh, let's say uh, still the awareness of 3D concrete printing at that time was still uh, not as high. Although you know there's a decree or by uh, by his uh, Sheikh uh, mm-hmm. by His Highness Sheikh Mohammed that he wanted 25 percent of uh, all buildings be 3D printed by year 2030. Even with that, you know, there was still, you know, uh, 
lot, not a lot of awareness about 3D printing, although we, we were getting requests from here and there. And then uh, we got contacted by a major developer here, uh, Amar, mm -hmm. who were looking into, and others actually, but Amar was one of them, that they're interested in looking into the technology. So it's one of their, uh, one of their uh, innovation, uh, key innovation uh, uh, driver at the company. Uh, and at the time, you know, we decided that for robotic printing is good for uh, a single robot, is good for certain, let's say, printing structures. But we felt that it's probably not the best adequate for building, for uh, 3D printing buildings. Mm -hmm. So we started uh, at the time after the project with the DIY, we started looking into different technologies. And so we got hold of Cobot at the time. And uh, again, they were starting, they, they had the bot one at the time. And so we, with Cobot, uh, we brought the bot one to Dubai, to Jabal Ali, to showcase it to the different people here in, in Dubai. And uh, one of the clients that came was Amar. I think they, they wanted to take this further uh, and so we also worked with them. They, uh, there was a project that was, you know, we had meetings with designers and they wanted to understand, architects, uh, who wanted to understand uh, what can the technology do from a design perspective. So we also went with all the different, you know, overhangs and curves and all of the stuff and sizes and everything. Uh, and so then Amar floated a, a bid to 3D print a villa in, in one of their... Uh, big communities that they are developing, uh, Arabian Ranches 3. Uh, and we bid on the project and we won it at that time. So we're looking at uh, 2019. So that was almost four years later. Three years later, right. Okay. Or after the 2016. When was the first project printed? 2016. Okay. So year three years later. Yeah. But you know, the bid was in 2015, mm -hmm. but the execution then was done in 2016. March. Right. Okay. So. 2019, you're printing the Amar Villa with... Uh, with the Amar. Uh, same thing, uh, except this, uh, this one has a bigger scope. Uh, the project had certain benchmarks. I mean, uh, a company like Amar was looking at, you know, because they are such a big developer, they're looking at what do we get from this technology. Mm -hmm. and, and again, you know, this is probably the right approach. Uh, they, so they wanted to see uh, what are the capabilities that, that you can do with 3D printing, what are the costs associated with it, uh, what are the benefits, what's the add-ons, what are, you know, all of this stuff. So uh, the project was loaded with a whole lot of people. That, was their that, goal to do it as cost-effectively as possible? Because there's so much construction in Dubai that's like over the top and they build bigger, more beautiful than they have to. Um, they're not concerned about cost. So in my mind, a company like that might want to do it as a showcase, and so not so concerned about the price, more concerned about we were the first to build a house uh, in Dubai. And But it sounds to me like you're saying it was a research project for them. It's not the research, no. It's, it's probably a combination of, of all of the things that you said. Uh, in my opinion, they, 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 they were looking into really exploring the technology as, a, as an alternative uh, to standard construction or as an add-on to, to standard sure. construction. 
And I think that what they were looking for is, is this technology truly what it's advertising itself to be faster, better, cheaper? So that was, that was what they were looking at. And, and, you know, I think in the discussion, we can talk about all of these things and we can, we can discuss the issues of faster, better and cheaper. Uh, so that was their primary goal, actually. And, and, and it was in their, you know, set mind that I think if, if this is something that they find, you know, if they get two out of three, mm-hmm. is it faster and better Then maybe they will overlook the cheaper. If it is cheaper and so you see what yeah. I mean. So they were trying to, to sort of position it within the framework of, of standard construction, as well as to say, look, this is probably the first 3D printed commercial villa in the world. Uh, it's something that, you know, you build and you sell to a client. Uh, at that time, there was no one has really done anything like this. Everything was show and tell, but they wanted to, to, to print a villa and sell it to a client. That time period of 2019 was also kind of peak fake news in the industry where so many different companies were putting out videos of like 24-hour house or $10,000 house, $4,000 house. Um, I think since then, people who have dug into it further have realized those aren't, that's not the case anymore. Uh, it never was the case, but uh, back then especially, and that was kind of when I discovered it, it was like 2017 when all those videos came out. I don't want to name any companies, but there were at least two videos in 2017 that got tens of millions of views across all platforms, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, and then I'm sure you having completed and being involved in the industry, completed the building with Diwa, probably were inundated with uh, messages, people asking about cheap housing, affordable. True. I think that that there was, it was I think that, uh, you know, uh, the 3D printing, uh, Concrete printing is guilty of its own making you know, mm-hmm. sometimes. You know, all of the, we had issues also here in Dubai where, again, I'm not going to mention the name of the company. I think everybody knows that company. You know, they came here, we were going to 3D print the first skyscraper, and you're talking back in 2016, 17. Technology was not there. So, again, there was a lot of, a lot of wrong set mind that, that was there, uh, wrong advertising. You're right. And I think that the clients, uh, at the end of the day, that's what they were looking at. Well, they did it in somewhere in the U.S. or somewhere, you know, they, they built a house for $5,000. Uh, but, you know, when, they, when you provide the, the, the numbers to them and you provide what's involved in the technology in more details, then they realize that this is a pipe dream at, at this point, you know. So, yeah, it was... It was a challenge for, for us to convince them about the numbers. Uh, and, and honestly, but, but, that, but again, they were looking at faster, better and cheaper, right? So, so if you get two out of three in any business, in any technology, then, then you have a fighting chance. If you get all three, that's it, you have a blockbuster, right? You, can, you get a real good business. Uh, so that's what we're working on right now, is to get it better, faster and cheaper. And if you want to discuss any of these items, you know, for this project, then we can do it. Yeah, definitely. All three. <laughs> okay. All right. So, cheaper, no, at this point. And, and, uh, but again, you have to, to be careful how you look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to go do this, you know, playing with numbers to really say that it, we have the main two issues in the, and the cheaper part is still the cost of the material. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm talking about all of the material providers. I'm not going to mention names. All of the cement mixes out there that are by major multinationals, either it's expensive or it cannot be sourced at the location. Mm -hmm. So, and then they have to ship it, and, and shipping it just is, costs an arm and a leg. It's more expensive than the cement. So the mix is still up there. And in my opinion, if the mix can get at within uh, 20 to 30 percent of existing OPC cement, then it would definitely be cheaper without any funny, you know, accounting. Uh, and it's also not cheaper because the cost of the technology is still high. Uh, so the printers in general are still expensive. Uh, availability of printer is still limited. Uh, so from, from that perspective, it is, uh, it is still more, more expensive than traditional construction, especially in countries like the GCC, Dubai and the region, because the, the labor cost here is so low. And the local sand is not uh, usable for concrete? It's not, not yet. But, you know, I think there's somebody claiming that this is one of the things why we are established here, is to be able to develop material that are for the local market. No one has done it yet, although someone is claiming that they've used uh, sand. Yeah, I think uh, I'll get you the name. But uh, someone has claimed that they did some work in Saudi Arabia and were able to use local sand for for three D printing to use it in three D printing. Uh, but I think uh, if you if you talk to all cement producers or all uh, mixed producers, their they just their justification of the high prices. It's it's a special batch. It's mm -hmm. not part of their standard production. The way they produce it, the way they uh, they uh, how to say how to store it, uh, the way they uh, bag it, and all of the stuff. They don't mention the cement concentration. Uh, they don't know. Well, some they do. I mean, when you ask for the data sheet, they they provide a range of mm -hmm. concentration. Uh, so they give you twenty to forty percent, which is ridiculous. But you know, I mean. They will not. They will. They will give you the constituents of the cement. I think it's by law they have to do that, but they will not tell you what the actual mix is. So the material costs. I mean, if you're lucky, from what I've seen, and you happen to be in a location where they're producing it, and the shipping costs aren't exorbitant, you're paying maybe double the traditional cement cost. In most cases, it's like four times up to like ten times the Correct. traditional cement cost. Correct. Usually, you know, we're not finding any. And I'm talking about the, the big producers, the global producers. Uh, the, the, this, the local producers who are, uh, they haven't really done any in-house development of this yet. Although we've been approached uh, the big five by many of them. And I think we're going to work with them and see if they can produce this uh, at an affordable price. Mm -hmm. But you're right, it's at least four times, not even two times. So it's at least four times. Uh, and uh, and most of them, uh, some do produce it locally, uh, but it's still more expensive than it is produced, let's say, in their major production facilities uh, in Europe or US or elsewhere. Especially the local smaller concrete companies, I can't imagine they have any R&D budget. They're probably operating on pretty slim margins. They're not investing in researching new concrete because concrete is thousands of years old. They figure it's the same thing it's, gonna, it's been. So it's uh, maybe new to them to have to experiment with new mixes. 
That's true. And you know, the, they, they talk to like at a, in Big Five because they also don't have access to a printer. Mm -hmm. And they usually don't even know where to start. And it's really outside their comfort zone. They're outside, like you said. Usually it's, it's, a, it's a family business or so. And, and so they, you know, to come and say 3D printing. So, so what they want to do is give us the material, test it on our printer or printers. And, but it's a long process this way. It's not going to really work. Uh, it, it may work. I don't know. Uh, we have tested uh, some materials that we developed ourselves. Uh, it has certain merits. It can work. Uh, but again, you know, you, we're relying on, on these uh, big companies to to produce. If this technology, if this if 3D printing gonna go anywhere, this is a key element. Mm -hmm. Is that you have to have access locally in any country to produce cement that is 3D printable at affordable price. Otherwise. You know, it's just going to be, the material is just so expensive. Sure. So, working with Cobalt on that project, granted it's the boat one, now they're on the boat 2.5, and made improvements, pretty much every part is like not unrecognizable, but very different from how it was back then. That being said, at the time, what were some of the uh, nice parts of working with Cobalt, or some of the challenges of working with Cobalt? Yeah, at the time we used, you know, we worked with the boat one initially, and then uh, we worked with the bot two for the project. Okay. Uh, so the bot two, uh, the printer was the largest printer that they produce, and mm -hmm. I, th I think it's still the largest printer that they produce. It's the one in Saudi Arabia. Uh, the one, I mean, the the major, the the major thing about uh, using this pr this printer is, it's a big bulky printer. So mm -hmm. it's, you have these columns, large columns that you that you have to. Uh, to erect uh, precision with very yeah, very precision exactly uh, and and when you're doing again same thing we're doing this project on site in situ uh, in the middle of the desert uh, in October September October time frame very hot like mm -hmm. you see now so again we had to provide a tent now providing a tent uh, for such a such a big printer was I mean the tent probably costs as much as the printing itself uh, so providing the tent with the temperature control uh, was also a challenge. Uh, most the, the the main again issue was, but in this case it was a bit better because we set the expectations for everybody due because of the previous experience with the Diwa project. Mm -hmm. So we set the expectation, although you know still you know the the contractor uh, wasn't. I mean, you can't expect them because they, they, they had, again, it's a very big uh, contractor with old processes, everything in place. Now you're coming and you're uh, disrupting their, their processes and, and uh, organizational hierarchy and all of this in this particular project. Uh, the good thing is the client was really, uh, uh, how to say, wanted this project to happen. So, so they were really involved, engaged, step by step in every project, as well as the all of the range of contract, uh, sorry, consultants. Mm -hmm. So they had a bunch of consult cost consultants, design consultants, so everybody was there. Because like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a benchmark project for, for AMR. It's funny to have so many people consulting on something that's so new that nobody has any experience with it. <laughs> True, and, and they learned a lot. Everybody learned a lot, including us. So come back to the, to the, to the bot two uh, uh, issues. 
uh, again, it took a long time to to set up and uh, and uh, get the project going uh, because it was the first. Um, one of them, one of it was because it was their first uh, bot to, to say, to, to produce. Uh, there were issues primarily for, with the pumping system. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were issues with the hose management system. I don't want to get into too many of the details, but there were a lot of technical issues that were, uh, that were there. But I'm sure that, I don't know, with the 2.5, they may have solved these issues. Uh, there were issues with the... Uh, stopping and starting the print, you know, uh, uh, there were issues with uh, alignment sometimes, but it's not strictly because of the of the printer itself, uh, but primarily, uh, you know, when you when you're when you're working with existing construction methodologies, usually you know that tolerances are much higher than, or sorry, much lower than with 3D printing. Mm-hmm. A printer is accurate to sub millimeter. Yeah. Whereas when, you know, manual labor, usually they can tolerate five, six millimeters. And so we're having a lot of these issues where the printer is going and then it's hitting things and stuff. Uh, but in general, you know, also the, the, we did the project, we delivered uh, uh, on time as well. Uh, I, I cannot, you know, say too many, there were, there were the whole list of what, to do and what not to do, but a whole list of lessons learned from all aspects, architectural, uh, design, uh, MEP, uh, you know, how, how, how you deal with the different entities and stakeholders in the project. Uh, one of the major issues, for example, is, you know, taking 2D and then turning them into 3D and making sure that it's correct, it's the right final design that they're working on. Then you have discrepancies, uh, and you know there are things that, uh, in, in general, in, in projects, in the construction projects, there's always changes in the project. You know that. Yeah, that's where they, especially I don't know about Dubai, but in America, that's where contractors make their profit. They bid low, then they find everything they can to complain about, Absolutely. and that's where they have their their margins and everything. So when you tell me the contractors are kind of giving you a hard time, uh, complaining, saying it's a new technology. In my mind, it's almost part of their business model. They're experts at finding things to complain about, and when it's something brand new, there's like so many, so much opportunity for them to practice their expertise. <laughs> True. This is this is one of them, uh, and the other one uh, also is actual design changes. So the client and the designers, ah, oh, let's change the mm-hmm. the window here, let's change. Uh, and and one of the problems uh, you're using a large printer is you cannot easily accommodate for some of these changes. So you, we, we were having some issues that we couldn't uh, perform using uh, the cobalt and we had to sort of find a way around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are, these are, this is primarily what, uh, what the primary issues were. So maybe the solution to that is printing some parts not in place and then moving them? That's what we did, correct. So I'm just going to speculate here, maybe you can't say whether I'm correct or not, but with a, a pump, if your pump's not powerful enough, especially if you're using a really long hose, once you get higher up, it's harder to push that material through the hose as you get to higher heights. Um, so maybe if they uh, didn't have a strong enough pump as they were printing the top layers, the material would clog more frequently, 
and to be harder to push through. Correct. We had uh, we had to reconfigure the pump actually because it wasn't working, mm -hmm. and one of them was that reason. Uh, so we're looking at uh, the villa was had the almost 27 meter span from edge to edge. So if you had the pump, let's say, I mean, logically you'd say I'm gonna place the printer and the pump in the center so I can access. Uh, not very smart because, <laughs> again, when you when you reach, especially right, I mean, when you're up three meters in, in height and now you're printing that wall at the back, you can see that it's not exactly pumping to that space. So we had to redo all of this. So we had to reposition the pump several times uh, to make sure that, uh, like you said, that, uh, that the pump, uh, that the concrete is getting to where it should uh, on time. Uh, some also, of the, uh, one, of, one of the major issues when, you're, when you work with uh, these large printers, huge printers is, you cannot make a mistake mm -hmm. with pumping. If you make a mistake and your hose is clogged or anything is clogged in the system, the downtime is absurd. And so when you promise your client that you're gonna finish this in five days, you have to make sure that you, you're, you flush, you clean, you do your preventative maintenance, you do your your work properly, you cannot make a mistake in the pumping if it stops for whatever reason. Minus one day. My, more, sometimes, yeah, more. Sometimes we'd, we'd be down for two days because we had to get a new hose or we had to... And then changing the hose is not a piece of cake. So so all of these are the realities on the ground with, with, with 3D printing. Uh, hopefully that, you know, that, you know these things are being uh, resolved. But it's, I think with every 3D printer out there, you still have these same issues. It will probably still be there. Uh, we, I mean, you have to have a contingency plan always available. And uh, we designed our contingency plan. And so now we know next project, what, we, what needs to be done, what you have to have uh, additional uh, accessories readily available and what you should do between shifts. So, so even the, because we're working on two shifts, uh, so uh, we, we were not able to work more than two shifts because at, at some point the printer has to be cleaned properly, mm -hmm. the, the pumps have to be cleaned, the hoses have to be cleaned, what the, the hopper... Eight hours or...? Eight hour shift. So, so there was a hand you have to put into... It's a manufacturing at the end mm -hmm. of the day and uh, 3D printing is additive manufacturing. So you have to look at it more as a production rather than construction. And unless you start really looking at it from that perspective and machine, it's a machine, it's machine availability, machine downtime, uh, you know, all of the parameters that you look into any production facility, any manufacturing facility, these are the numbers that they look at, right, industrial engineers. So you, sometimes this is the calculation that you have to have to be able to get uh, to the proper uh, numbers. And then there's always increases in efficiency, especially when uh, automation's involved. Maybe you install a new system, you're getting 100 units a month, and then after people learn how to use it, you're getting 150 units a month, the next year you're getting 200 units a month uh, from the same kind of equipment because people are uh, becoming more skilled. And I'm not talking about 3D printed houses, nobody's doing hundreds of units a month yet, but... Right, that, that's a different... <laughs> that's like another, Tesla, for yes. example, uh, they projected their Shanghai factory to do like 200,000 cars and now they're doing like they're going to do 400,000 this year in Shanghai because they learned how to use the systems better. Their employees don't know what they're doing. They're not being trained anymore. So I guess I want to get into 
if you were to have printed a second Amar Villa next to the one that you completed, uh, what would be the percent improvement in terms of cost, time, and better, maybe not relative to traditional construction, but relative to just the 3D printed quality, uh, quality of the lines, uh, quality of the material being pumped? So start with time and budget and then quality. Time, I think, uh, look, we finished the project in, when, when we get things going, mm -hmm. you know how, how it is in 3D concrete printing. Like I said, initially it started slow, really slow. We had a lot of issues, especially with the pump and all of these things and the calibration. And, but once we got going, I mean, we finished the villa really in four or five days. So that, that was good. Uh, so could that be improved upon on the same? Yes, yes. So, so right now I say, uh, from a time perspective, 2x easily. Including the prep? Including the prep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and also the managing the, the maintenance, mm -hmm. preventative maintenance primarily, the, the cleaning of all the, of all of the components, making sure that when shift is handing over to the next shift, that there's a proper handover process you have there. What if you include the other subcontractors, the electrical, plumbing, window fitters, the roofing systems, um, would that increase that 2x or is that consistent? It will not, no. It, with these it will not be 2x, but it will be uh, improved as well. Because those guys, it was their first time working with it too, so they had a little bit of a learning curve as well. Correct. What they did, you know, with, with, the, with the Amar uh, project, uh, the way the MEP was approached was slightly different. Mm -hmm. uh, the way the formwork was, because the way we did the columns was also in a, in a different way. Uh, so all of these, yes, you can improve on and you can improve the speed. What we did was we didn't finish the entire villa at once. So what we did was we did it in section one and section two. Look, if you really want to improve all of these parameters, speed, cost and everything we have to be at the onset of the, of the project meaning at the design project so what we do is uh, the way the villa is designed the way the building is designed if you want to optimize these three parameters we have to tell you what to do and then we say okay this is the printer that you need to use for this particular villa and I suggest that you put the doors here and the windows there so that as we're moving the printer if it needs to be moved or as we're moving the pump, if it needs to be moved, it's optimized. Mm -hmm. And the way you're gonna cast your roof, will tell. this is the best way because while we're working on one section, you'd be casting there, this way you speed up the entire process. But as a 3D printing service provider, we have to be there at the onset. Otherwise, if they do it sequentially, the way they use it, in the way construction is done right now, it will still be clogged with, uh, with inefficiencies. So taking those time benefits into consideration, like people's hourly pay and such, um, what would the cost benefit be on the second mirrored project, the same kind of thing? I would say, uh, I haven't done the, the numbers, but I mean, we're working on the numbers with them. I would say significant, I would say more than 25%. That's, that is significant. That's, that is, for construction is very significant. And finally, the quality of the print, Yes, uh, look, more, I mean, we, we were, uh, with, the, with the villa, we did get cracks. However, we, we didn't really, the source of the cracks, uh, we were not sure because when we had the tent and we were printing, 
And when we finished the entire project, there were hardly any cracks, I mean, really minor things. Uh, but then when we removed the tent and, mm -hmm. uh, and the villa was exposed to sun, and also there were, it's a big, it's a big community, it's a big project. Uh, and, you know, there were a lot of excavation and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, machinery around it, so there was a lot of vibration. Then cracks started to show up everywhere. Until now, we don't really know, and, and we got, you know, we, we got some consultants to come and see. Some of them blame it on vibration, some of them blame it on exposure to the sun, some, so, you know, some of them on uh, expansion. Uh, and again, that's another point about expansion where you have to have, we didn't have expansion joints, which was really stupid, but, you it's know. It's basically every uh, explanation you could have for a crack. <laughs> yes, but, but, true, but still, you know, we don't know where this came yeah. from, all of these, all of these joints, uh, all of these cracks, sorry. Uh, but we fixed them and, and they're okay now. Uh, if you tell me on the finish what you would do, there were also, we also had uh, the horizontal cold joints. We had a lot of those with the, mm. with the printer because we were stopping and restarting. To, and you can see them, at, at one, if you see the villa, you can see the where the, these expansion, where these, sorry, cold joints are. But you used some adhesive between? We did, we just applied the adhesive uh, right before we, we printed. And it was, uh, we used laticrete at the time for, okay. the, for the material. It was their first uh, initial three. I'm, I'm sure they've improved a lot since then. We used the M31. Wow. And so they, yeah. They're on like M120. Yes, yes. So uh, we're going to test it here in, in our warehouse in the next few days. Uh, uh, so, uh, so laticrete supplied us with the adhesive that we applied right before we print. But still, you even whatever you do, you're still going to have that. If you stop printing, the key of 3D, almost one of the keys of 3D concrete printing is once you start, don't stop. It goes, just keep running until you, you finish your 3D print for that particular uh, shift or yeah. for that particular day. Anytime you stop and you restart, I think, you cannot truly avoid a cold, a cold joint. So the cold joints, uh, uh, the Dubai municipality approved them. They didn't have issues with it. We did do some cross sections and we did do uh, testing on them. Uh, they came out fine, you know, in terms of compressive and flexural and tensile. So, so there was not, it not, it wasn't a weakness point, let's say. Everybody was afraid that it may be a weakness point uh, structurally, so it wasn't. Uh, but uh, yeah, in certain cases, it does look uh, sort of uh, not nice, you know, not uh, not uh, appe uh, appealing. Uh, so, uh, from a finished perspective, right now, for my my next project, I would definitely the, the way I would define the printing toolpath and the printing uh, strategy would be completely different. Mm -hmm. uh, That's fine. Okay. So, would you work with Cobot again? Uh, I mean, uh, yes and no. Uh, the problem is, uh, is I think uh, the technology is limited to certain uh, structures. Mm -hmm. I don't know where they are right now. I haven't looked at their 2.5, where they are with it. Uh, but uh, there were quite a few limitations in terms of uh, how you can incorporate changes in the, in, in the printing. So once you start, 
I mean, once once you design the villa or the house, if somewhere along the long along the way, there are changes that you need to do, uh, incorporating the because of the way the sure. hopper is, and you cannot. So you have to either tear down the wall, or or you cannot really work with it. Uh, the other thing is the I don't know where honestly where where they are with the hose management. There were big issues with how to how to manage the whole system. Uh, pump, uh, I think uh, it's uh, something that can be. Uh, uh, I'm sure they they rectified that problem with the with the pumps. Uh, availability of material, uh, there's a whole bunch of material. You can use Latacrete, you can use Lafarge, you can use Heidelberg, any of this material, but all of them are expensive. Uh, in terms of uh, the software, it's good, very, very, very elementary software, nothing specific to it. Uh, in terms of uh, making uh, complicated elements and structure, they're limited because of the hopper geometry. Uh, so you know there are a lot of there are some pluses and negatives, but but in general, it's the the main thing is. Uh, if you're going to use uh, that printer for uh, one villa at a time, then it's fine and you have enough space to use it, that's fine. If you're going to do uh, big projects, they have to overcome certain issues. Because moving in is a challenge. Correct. Yeah, most I mean, of the things you mentioned, I know that they are uh, working on addressing from when I was visiting with them in Denmark, but when I was in uh, Virginia, I know they did have some hose management issues. Uh, not, it wasn't detrimental to the project, but they did need somebody holding the hose. It's big, heavy, uh, could run and hit the tent, hit the print. Um, not that they weren't using a tent on the outside of that project. They just had a small, uh, like sports uh, tailgating tent, just to have a little table where they could have the computer, so they weren't directly in the sun, like the people, not the print. But uh, also the pumps that we have in America for some reason are subpar compared to pumps in Europe. I'm not sure if the better pumps are available in Dubai, but um, pumps are a bit of an issue. I'm uh, hoping to visit a company in Houston that's making a better pump. We'll see. I don't want to mention them until I know that it's actually quality, but um, those are all things that can definitely be improved on. So that's very promising. And I guess you, say yes and no, you don't want to work with Cobot again as their technology was, but if it was demonstrated that it had improved and addressed the issues, you'd be open to try another project with them, I guess it sounds like. Uh, probably, you know, it depends on, again, the, the project. For example, uh, we were approached to, to do a multi-unit project uh, here in Dubai. Uh, I wouldn't use that then because the sheer amount of moving the printer and resetting and calibration and making sure that uh, you have the leveled ground you know mm. to a certain level you cannot it's uh, it makes it a bit difficult if you want to do just one pro one building somewhere where you have enough space and and you can maneuver then it's fine without you know the issues like you said they are manageable you know the whole system and the and the pump yeah, we use mostly Amtec or one of these uh, German pumps. They're usually pretty good. Uh, but if you want to do uh, multi-units, uh, then it's a, it's, it's a big issue. Mm -hmm. I think the mobility is something they might be trying to address as well. 
we'll see what uh, comes out of that. So was there a third project you worked on before uh, working with 20 or? Yeah, we did a project also using the cobalt, but uh, we, it was, we did a bench, mm -hmm. a scripting bench. So these are not your regular benches. These are benches that we use at the expo. Uh, and again, we used uh, at the time the cobalt, uh, but the design was so difficult that you would probably only use what you know what you saw at the big five that's the only printer that can actually print such intricate details overhangs and so we we were not able let's say to to produce what the, the client wanted expo 2020 organizers but it was also one of the projects that we did uh, with, with that printer is it because of the printer or the material uh both okay yeah so i mean you needed a robot for that you cannot you know, there, there's no hopper that's going to be able to do these Really, I mean, they were like under underhang and overhang and all of the stuff. So, you needed something with, with six, six axes or seven axes movement to be able to produce these. But it was a nice project, and I wish I, I I wish I have the technology I have right now to to be able to deliver, especially with this material that that we're seeing. Yeah, at the time, well, I didn't wasn't available, so I couldn't deliver. But this is the other project that uh, so. Uh, the 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 cobalt printer is, is for building for uh, one two houses units villas. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, obviously after they you know I'm sure they they've worked out some of these issues that that I just discussed. But I think if uh, for multi uh, unit projects, it's an issue. And sometimes you know these units. Uh, you can see if you go to, to the Arabian ranches, they're stuck to each other. So moving it is uh, really, I mean, I was like, okay, if I want to put, how would you, where you put the, the different columns and all of the stuff. So it becomes a geometric nightmare sometimes for large projects. When you say stuck to each other, you, you know, mean like physically? Physically, the, the villas are, you know, I mean, the, the, the distance between them, not just attached, even, you know, the separation between them is not enough to allow you to move the printer. Okay properly so that that's one of the major issues you, you also need the cranes to you know to place it into play so some of the overheads that that add up to the cost you know will, it will, will also you know it's, it's not proper to it will just add to the cost for no reason so now fast forward to today you're working with uh, 20 additive manufacturing you've created the conglomerate tan benches on your shirt and how has that experience been Amazing. We've been in touch with the 20 for some time right now. We actually, after the two projects, and, and it's funny that it happened this way, with Saibi, you know, the robot, and then with Cobot, the gantry system, uh, there are benefits and cons and pro, pros and cons in each of these, and I think we discussed them briefly. So I was looking for a, uh, I'm going to be very honest with you, I was looking for a company that is, uh, willing to work with both a robot and a gantry, mm -hmm. to have mobility available, to have printers for the different uh, uh, build the application exactly, and I think twenty has uh, at this point, uh, and I, I really research all the providers, technology providers, and I think twenty at this point are the only one who are providing different printers for the different applications. Mm -hmm. 
so they have the, and I think you've finished their facilities, they have the telecom, which is a, a mobile robotic uh, unit, which can print very small units, very easy to maneuver, very easy to put it anywhere. And we're at the big five, it was, you saw it was put in and out and all of the stuff. And, and you can print small structures, you know, maybe six by five, four, and so on. These are usually, you know, right now we're working on a project for a guard room, which is perfect. You don't have a lot of space, so you have to put it in, a, in an area where you, you cannot maneuver a lot. Uh, you don't want the very small robot because you have to keep moving it again. And you don't want the large gantry because it cannot fit. So this is perfect. And the client wants something unique that's one of a kind, so you don't want to create form work that's going to be used just once. Exactly. So this is what they want. They, and they want, you know, can you provide, you know, these uh, crazy shapes and all of this? We said yes. So that's one application that... that and also, you know, uh, we want to work with a company who's honestly willing to put the effort to come and work with us here in the region to uh, provide uh, uh, technology and material for that that uh, that uh, answers to their local requirements. Okay. One of them, you said, the sand. Can we use this? I don't know. So someone has to come here and then work with us. To, to provide solutions for the local look the the requirements of uh, of uh, buildings in Europe is different than and I'm not talking about the municipalities and authorities I'm talking about you know a house in Europe is different than a house here you know the shape the size you know they, they may look for smaller houses there here they look for huge houses I mean they have they have the, the full range here but so so we wanted a localized solution and uh, from a business proposition that that made sense for both 20 and for us uh, they have deep knowledge of the technology uh, they have deep knowledge of uh, what needs to be done we have deep knowledge of, of the area and the service provision and uh, we're the only one who has actually a building system here with the municipality under our name so so we together i think we will be able to answer uh, many of the requirements that are needed for the local and regional market. Uh, we are looking into, of course, not just providing the robotic uh, mobile printer, uh, but also uh, gantry systems, but gantry systems that are not necessarily the way they are being done currently with, mm -hmm. other, with, other, with other providers, such as uh, Cobalt or Black Buffalo or any of these uh, companies. Uh, we're trying to avoid uh, making these very huge bulky printers and making, let's say, a, a nimble gantry system. Okay. And hopefully we'll, 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 we'll talk about this in the next few months. We'll, we'll, we should have something uh, for, the, for the market to see. Yeah, it sounds, uh, if it's not like Black Buffalo, that means it's not a system on tracks per se. Uh, maybe it's a system on wheels or something along those lines. I don't know. That's <laughs> we will, we will, yeah, we will, we will, we're working on it. We already have something in mind. But again, you know, the whole point is that uh, we want to, we want, we don't want to look at the printer as as the solution. We like, we want to see the process, the entire process, how you know, in construction. Uh, you know, one of the major issues, especially you know, with the with the multi uh, multi unit construction, the big projects, not just the printer and the motion and the movement of the printer, 
the feeding system, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, the how do you get the cement to the com- to the printer? And so and so now not only you have to the issue of moving the printer, but also the issue of moving the pump and all of the stuff. So all of these were taken into consideration. More, let's say, uh, Jared, from a not just technology perspective, but also from a process perspective. So, so really, we want to give the client a solution. We don't want to give them a printer. We want we want to give them a solution out of many solutions that we that we have. And this is one thing that is honestly lacking in the in the industry. All of it. I, yeah. I, I want to be honest: is that everybody's trying to sell a printer. This this is the wrong approach. You have to come and say, "I'm providing you with a solution." I'm providing you with a service. Printer is part of it. You know, it's the it's entire ecosystem around it: material and pumping and uh, feeding system and and all of the stuff. Plus cost, like you said. So uh, so that's what Tan Vinci is doing. While at the same time setting realistic expectations and uh, I guess your clients understand that each project brings new challenges to the table usually. And so some learning curve going to be involved in almost every project, right? Absolutely true. I mean, we were look, and this is uh, this is still a, a, a young technology, uh, even with all the which is nice. Like uh, I think Martin once you said uh, the other day is uh, there. There's more projects right now, although still nothing. You know, it's, doesn't register on the on the yeah, on the construction right. project exactly. But you know, like I think you mentioned that uh, we were from what one thousand Google searches. Now we're into the millions of so people are interested in this. Uh, there aren't enough projects being done globally, as far as I know, that reflect what the technology should be. Where, it ha- where, right now, where it can actually help propel it further and faster. Uh, so it is young. But yeah, I mean, every every project has its own merit. Every project has its own challenges. Every project has its own uh, issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can take all of the uh, learning lessons from your previous projects and apply them, and to the point where you have a, a pretty much concise system that you can offer to the client. Yeah, I mean, it seems promising to me because if you can get twenty five percent improvement on the next one, then maybe you get. 15% improvement on one after that, and another 10%, another 5%. And then even when you're doing like 1% improvements, that's still huge in the construction realm. So there's like so much uh, runway to improve and in terms of experience and people's expectations, uh, the material, the technology. In There's uh, almost no aspect that can't be improved to some degree. This is correct. Yeah, you can improve definitely on the speed. Uh, you can improve on the cost significantly. Uh, you can improve on the uh, on the design. Uh, how much you can de- what kind of designs you can actually deliver on the size of the of the final product. Uh, how how big it will be. Uh, so yes, all of them. There's much improvement to be done in all of all of these. But I think uh, the major one point that everybody is looking at is reduction in cost. There's also the sustainability issue that we know and is mentioning. Uh, I think that this technology holds probably the most premise of all to to have a net zero type of uh, emission. So, uh, you know, by cutting the number of laborers that come, by cutting formwork, waste, 
uh, hopefully we'll have green sim uh, mix eventually uh, recycled material and, and you know I mean there, there's really no reason why we cannot 3d print the uh, gypsum board you know from all of the used and uh, you know wasted gypsum this can be recycled so there, there's a lot of areas where this technology can actually uh, you know uh, uh, give society and, and, and again uh, our next projects for sure the price is gonna be less our next projects for sure we're gonna be faster and in our project for sure we're gonna provide a better service for the client simply because we're, we've learned a lot yeah and that's just gonna continue compounding as you absolutely yes yes so there's another big project in Dubai uh, the, the municipality building uh, Apex scored it got the Guinness World Record for the biggest 3D printed building in the world do you have any insights on that project or uh, maybe being in the industry you've communicated with people who worked on that yeah again yes of course uh, one of our previous engineer was was on the project and we had a lot of discussions about what happened in that project you know up to a certain level my understanding is uh, the, the project took a long time so the speed the, so at the time municipality was looking at it as a learning curve for them uh, they wanted to understand the technology because it's something that uh, they're adopting right now. I don't know if you know, but it is a business. It is now a licensed, uh, uh, licensed business at the municipality to three mm -hmm. D print in concrete. I don't know if anybody in the world has that. So this is a, a big plus for Dubai to 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 be able to do that. Uh, so they wanted to learn what is this technology, you know, how it works, and all of this stuff. And I think they got the project with Episcore, and they had the printer here, and it was printing in situ. It's a, it's a very large building, mm -hmm. uh, two floors, I believe, or multi-floor. Uh, again, similar to, to the CB project that, that we did, the printer was moved in several locations. So I think 32, if I 30, remember. Exactly. So it, was, it would print, then they would you know, lift it, move it, put it, and print again. Uh, the project, I think, uh, the 3D printing part took over more than a year, as far as I know. But it wasn't an issue for the municipality. It's not, they were not looking at the speed, they were looking at learning the technology itself. Uh, what I understand is, uh, they were, the, the, the formwork was not, I think, 3D printed. It was done a traditional way, you know, with, uh, with plywood and stuff. Uh, simply because the material that was used was not uh, capable of uh, of being the formwork. Mm -hmm. uh, in both of our projects that we did, we used the, the material as the formwork for the reinforced uh, columns. Uh, other than that, also same day, they were hit by the same issues, I think cracks and all of this stuff. So, uh, But it was, it was a good project, I think, that they showcased, the, the municipality learned a lot from it, they showcased the technology for themselves, and they were able to produce this building. Other than that, I don't know. I don't know a lot about what they did. Yeah, I'd imagine that one-year figure includes a lot of like, the prep time, and so maybe the print time is a little shorter than that. And they just had the printer, like the Kova project, they printed in four or five days, but they had printed there for probably a couple of weeks or so, uh, if not longer. Yes, uh, we had the well, we had the printer on site for almost, uh, I mean, erected in place for almost uh, two months, but. Mm -hmm. 
the first yeah like I said the first few weeks uh, we had issues it was the first you know installation mm-hmm. of the bot to I think anywhere in the world so there were issues technically to to, to handle that uh, when we started printing uh, then we finished the the, the walls interior and, and exterior walls of the of the, of the villa in about four or five days and you knew it was the first time they were installing a boat too yeah of course and so um with those kind of expectations in mind were was kobad uh were they good at working with you and accommodating and addressing the issues yes and the initial for the uh, they sent their engineers uh to be able to troubleshoot troubleshoot Yes, uh, although I do have some comments here, but I'm not going to say them. Uh, so they, they did help us uh, make it work, actually. Uh, I think it was in everybody's interest to make sure that this project was a success. So, uh, but you know, there are a few things that I actually didn't like what happened at the time, but it's okay. And then we printed uh, in four or five days the, the villa. The problem was the client wanted to 3D print the parapets as well. I don't know why, but they wanted to 3D print mm-hmm. the parapets. And so uh, there on were a lot of, on top, yeah, so we casted the roof. And we, basically the reason why we had got delayed so long, because I think we were done in third week of October, with 3D printing the walls. And after casting the roof and everything, we just waited a bit longer for the parapets. Uh, the parapets went very high, up to, I think, eight meters, seven or eight meters, so it's almost uh, two floors. Maybe not, maybe six meters, huh? but uh, but again, uh, the reason why because there were a lot of uh, design changes that the client wanted, uh, so that's why it stayed there. But yeah, it was done earlier than we could have removed the printer earlier than then. So moving forward, is your concentration strictly in Dubai? No, no. I mean, we're we're focusing on Dubai. We're using Dubai as a, a springboard, if you wish. We're doing a lot of research. We're working with a couple of universities here uh, as a research and development. Uh, Saudi is, 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 a, is, a, is a big uh, market for 3D printing. They have massive construction projects. Uh, so that's one of the areas that, that, uh, that we're focusing also as well on. Uh, so the UAE, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, we do get uh, from Kuwait sometimes. Uh, but no, primarily, primarily these two countries, and I think that looking at the resources from all aspects, I, I think it's more than at this point adequate. Uh, you know, if you go now and you want twenty printers, no one can provide you twenty printers right now. I don't think anyone has the production cap- capabilities to provide twenty printers in a reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. And usually, these uh, construction projects are very time sensitive. So the client comes saying, no, "I want to start building." after two months so uh, so yeah it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be uh, primarily UAE Dubai Abu Dhabi and uh, and uh, Saudi Arabia for the for for the foreseeable for, for at least next two years yeah it's interesting every company has the same four month lead time pretty much 16 weeks four months it's I think it's uh, I mean I yeah, uh, it's a nice problem to have that you, know, you can have a backlog of, of, uh, of, of orders, but uh, at, at some point, you know, 
client will not tolerate that. You know, they say, I want it now or I lose my business and they will not come back and buy a printer again. Uh, also, you know, there's the issue of support. I think many of them don't, don't have the proper support. They're severely understaffed. Uh, so they sell a printer and then, you know, you're on your own in a sense. Uh, so uh, that's also another big issue. Yeah, it's tricky. Um, I haven't heard of any companies that purchased a printer that are now profitable with that printer. They're getting like a positive ROI on the printer. So that's uh, maybe some exist, but I haven't come across them. And generally, when people make an investment in hundreds of thousands of dollars, they're expecting some kind of return unless they have a bigger marketing budget and understand that it's going to get the publicity or something like that. Um, so for the companies, even companies that are selling printers now and maybe generating profit, it, is it sustainable? Like it, it kind of needs to get that ROI point where people are making money from purchasing and then it explodes and they need to, then their biggest concern is making as many printers as they can, right? Right, correct. That's, that's a very big issue right now is, is uh, for companies who are uh, buying the printers as a service uh, provider where they want to build projects and there aren't enough projects right now as far as I see it to justify uh, the, the purchase of the machine and you're right I think I don't I, I don't know the numbers but I can guess that no one's really making any profit uh, so you buy like you said I think the printers range from two hundred thousand dollars robotic base to over a million for a Gantry system. So if you if you look at that and then again, like I said, you look at it from a production perspective, manufacturing perspective, uh, then you should be able to be having at least X number of days per year where this printer is in the field. And if it's not, then you're gonna increase your uh, daily rate of the of the printer of the usage. And then again, it adds to the cost of the project and the client will refuse and you're back to square one. I don't think it's impossible though that a company could get an ROI at this stage, like especially with some of the like, garden features or some, like things like benches. Benches can be thousands of dollars. Sculptures like the Burj Al Arab building. Uh, I know a lot of people from the half a million people that saw on TikTok were like, how much does that cost? We want to buy it maybe. But, right. Um, if you were to get enough clients for projects like that, I mean, I think that, I mean, they were able to print three objects a day. They probably, in optimized situations, print like six or even more if they were using both sides of the printer. Um, maybe even moving stuff out, they could do more than that. But there's, it seems like there's potential for that ROI, but it's uh, elusive. You can't just print whatever you want and expect to make a profit. It's like you need to find the, profitable sectors or something. I agree. I think uh, from a business owner perspective now I'm talking, uh, uh, the large expensive printers that are primarily for uh, constructing uh, buildings and, mm -hmm. and houses, uh, right now the ROI is very difficult to achieve and, and it's going to take years to get ROI. The smaller printers that are a bit cheaper and can do the benches and the, and the smaller projects I say these can have a serious ROI yeah. they can actually make profit uh, so from this is, and this is very important and, and that's one of the reasons why 
we chose 20 is because they they do provide the smaller exactly they do provide the smaller and what you can you you know you've seen the Burj Al Arab you've seen the architecture I mean everybody's crazy about these things Uh, whereas trying to sell and also the lead time in sales perspective uh, the sales cycle for a Burj Al Arab is few days a week two sales cycle for a villa or a or a building is months you know to get the designs yeah. approvals all of the stuff so all you know you have to take all of these into consideration so yeah your 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 big printer will have a lot of that time uh, and as a as a uh, owner of that printer you have issues I, 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 did i make myself clear yeah, uh, yeah. um so your business 3D Vinci, there's tons of printers around here. Obviously you have a lot of experience 3D printing all kinds of different objects. Have you looked into metal printing or any other types of 3D printing or is your focus strictly construction at the moment? Uh, like I said, we started with uh, plastic and uh, resin and uh, we have all kinds of uh, production printers. Uh, no, but right now, yeah, no, we keep, we have them. I mean, oh. it's already been, uh, I'll just say, depreciated, so it's already paid and uh, all of this. So, but yes, right now, hundred uh, percent focus on concrete printing. Okay. So one hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we still do some projects that are related to. Look, one of the things that that, and I don't want to talk anymore about concrete printing. I want to construction printing. Uh, for example, uh, uh, many companies now are reaching to us to say, okay, can we use uh, large-scale uh, plastic as part of, the, of, of uh, construction? Uh, can we use, uh, like I said, uh, gypsum? Uh, can, can, is there a way that, and I know there's a way, I've already seen it. Uh, is there a way that we can use gypsum for it? And, and the reason why this is being driven is because of the uh, need to innovate and because of the requirements that are mandated here to have you know 25% 3D printed by 2030 so many of the gypsum uh, companies here are you know they really want to work with us uh, to see if we can use their material somehow some way pulverize add some binder to them and see if we can 3D print it so yeah yeah I mean uh, 100% focus on construction printing let's say. So if it's too early to have an expectation of an ROI, potentially, um, what do you, what's the ideal profile of a client of yours? Ideal profile is a, is someone, uh, I mean, we, we, we cater to uh, different uh, verticals and horizontals. So, so the profile of, of the client would have to be architects, mm-hmm who do designs of landscaping elements, who do design of uh, architectural elements, and you can also do design for smaller housing units. Uh, also, uh, some of our ideal uh, clients would be a property developer, uh, who again have units that need to be built, uh, plus any uh, architectural or landscaping or uh, or any elements that need that are part of the community that they provide uh, 
also we're looking at uh, uh, things like, for example, uh, underwater uh, habitat. Mm -hmm. uh, we're looking at uh, so all of these will bring will uh, keep your cash flow going. Uh, you get your ROI, and uh, you can be profitable while you know waiting for the large uh, development projects. Underwater habitats like for fish. Underwater, what you do, we have requests to 3D print coral, reef. coral reefs, correct. Cool. <laughs> and, and again, uh, you, you, can, you, you, there are, you cannot do it without a robot. I mean, with this, something that is just, you have to have the, you know, these nice forms mm -hmm. and, you know, so, so now, uh, at the affordable price, of course. So, so you should be able to provide these. And there's a lot of requirements for these kind of things. Yeah. You know, the they have algae grow on them. Of course, research universities always. The universities don't look them look at them as profit. You know, they. I mean, yeah. usually you try to work with them. Which makes them an ideal client. True, true, true. They are. I mean, and, and the way we look at it is, we have uh, association with American University in Dubai. Uh, we're, we're gonna use, we're gonna form a three D printing center for uh, of excellence for three D construction printing. And, and one of the things that we look at is uh, to, to have resources. You know, right now, you cannot, if you want to hire people, you, you know, there's a lot of big learning curve that they have to go through. And so, so even if you have projects, you know, you cannot find enough resources that can help you with these projects. Uh, so the, the universities are, are good uh, also client from a, not just client, but they can also give us, uh, you know, engineers, future engineers, future yeah. There's a lot of value in that, having people who understand something about the technology and having a place for students to be able to learn about it before they jump into the working world. I mean, a lot of people want to get involved in it because it's futuristic and they think it has like um, automation is a good field to get into as we move to a world where everything is technology oriented. Uh, without education systems in place, it'll be tough, like you're saying, to source people who can Correct. work in the space. Moving forward, do you think that the 2030 mandate is a realistic expectation? I mean, considering there's so many skyscrapers here. No, yeah. <clears throat> I think it's, uh, it's a good goal to have. I think it's definitely, uh, is it doable that all 25%? There isn't, there, there hasn't been any uh, think specific about what is considered as 25 percent uh, but at least putting the mandate uh, just basically you know uh, make everybody work even harder to make sure that we can reach that particular goal so even if we achieve 10 percent it's still amazing or 15 percent or you know tw uh, but 25 percent you know it depends on how how they will define the 25 percent yeah, and that's only nine years away. So it seems to me like if you're really going to be serious about enforcing something like that, if it's like just advice or it's actually a rule that has to be that way, you'd want to work your way up to it. So maybe next year, every building needs to incorporate 2% 3D printed material by, whether it's by weight or by uh, dollar square value, feet, yeah. you can attribute to building dollar value is a good one too. And then the next year you do four percent and the next year you do six percent i can't imagine 
2029, people are building skyscrapers with all poured concrete, and then 2030, all of a sudden, just... No, I agree, and I think that's the plan. I think the plan is, Richard, I've started a couple of years ago, that every year, 2%. But right now, it's, it's got more serious uh, starting that this year. Remember COVID and all of this stuff. So uh, the 2% additional every year, maybe now it's the... Uh, and, and I think one of the other issues is probably they start applying the, the points system, are using 3D printing in construction. So, so they will start with contractors and uh, architects and uh, developers, how much of your project is 3D printed. Maybe they so, can do tax incentives? Precisely, correct. Or if you apply for a project, then you have more points. Just like the lead system, you know, mm -hmm. so so they, they will start doing something. I, I imagine, I don't know, but I think if you want to really push it and then really make it happen, then you have to, to, uh, to sort of set up this kind of, these kind of guidelines. What other things should people interested in this industry uh, look forward to? And especially people considering when is the right time to jump in they're like i'm sold i love the idea uh, the technology is improving so quickly do i jump in now do i jump in, in two years three years look i think that uh, from a you're looking from a client perspective or from a uh, client perspective client like perspective. somebody's watching the video because they're interested in 3d printed concrete and they're waiting to pull the trigger and they want to wait till it's appropriate time no i think they can do it at any time the only difference is going to be what kind of experience you will get. So I think down the road, let's say if you look a few years down the road, we hope that it's everything is really digitized, everything is digital. So, so right now we're still working with, with some, uh, with the older, let's say, software and with the older approach to this, uh, to this particular technology. I think uh, down the road that we'd like to have is a client and this is what I've been trying to sell to, to the big developers is don't have uh, all of your buildings the same, you know, whether in the US or in Dubai yeah. or anywhere else. And for cost effectiveness and for many reasons, usually, you know, all of the build, all of the houses are the same. If not, you know, you have type A, B and C and then you select one of them, right? So you're living in a house, your neighbor is the same. What, I, what I'm trying to say is what this technology can bring with, with the digitization and freedom of design and uh, you know complexity and and it doesn't cost you more if you are using the same footprint is mass customization and if we cannot sell that and the client is convinced about that then it's a problem if i am a, an individual a client that wants to build a house for my own uh, then what i would like to have this technology be at in few years is to say all right this is what I want to do, and then it's, you sit with an architect with a 3D design, you know, and then you change it as you go. You know, this is how simple it is, and then you just say, okay, I want to print this. That would be the ultimate goal, and then it will, it will take a different shape altogether. Uh, similarly with, the, with the large developers is where they come and they say, all right, you have, you have you know, thousands of these units and you have thousands of clients. All right. Choose the villa that you want. It's not type A, B, and C. You know, okay, start with type A and change it the way you want to. As long as you're picking, keeping the same constraints available, you know, to change the wall here, you can do that. We're not gonna charge you more. Yeah, changing as you go is a really interesting thing. I haven't thought of it all before, especially if you want to change the size of the window or something. It's like 
in theory, it's something that should be so easy for a printer. Uh, but when you actually consider 3D printing, it's like you already uploaded the step file that's been converted into G-code. And if you move that window a few inches, that might change the optimal path. And so maybe you need to instruct the printer to do a less optimal path that fits the old, what the first layers you printed or however, uh, it might be one of those problems that seems really simple, but actually becomes very complicated once you get into the software uh, challenges. No, I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about, uh, yes, true, but what I'm talking about is uh, if, uh, if you're developing a community and you have a master plan mm -hmm. and you're selling it to potential clients and then the clients can come and they can actually choose from the different designs that you have and alter it and then say that's it yeah, and then you say okay it's done. Isn't that easy now though? Or it's if you want to do it, it, it no, because usually uh, all of these are done in precast, at least here. I don't know how it is in the US, but here it's done. But with the printer, I'm saying. With the printer, it should be very easy. As long as you start from the beginning of that house. Correct. It has to be from the beginning. If you do it at the later stage, it becomes a bit more difficult. So that's 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 where the I think like, when you're asking me where it's going, this is where it's going to be. But you can still right now. Uh, experiment with the technology and see uh, the ease of how it can build uh, it doesn't everybody should us it doesn't build the entire house you know we still have to do the horizontal elements the traditional way but all of the vertical elements can be 3d printed they can be 3d printed with ease mm -hmm. you get a house that is practically a castle with the, the current material I mean this this material is I mean you know, the durability is amazing. So so you have real hard concrete, uh, fireproof, uh, waterproof, uh, you know, to last for you and your kids for generations. So this is, this from that perspective only is, is uh, really priceless. Yeah, I'd imagine in the future when there's more 3D printed houses, the market becomes bigger, the addressable market is more attractive for venture capital, investment banking to invest in different softwares. There could be just an app on your phone where you just click and drag rooms together and decide, I'd like this, this side, and pull it. And then there's no reason that it couldn't create the G code from something that you just, like a five-year-old could throw together and then also do the structural calculations. If, you, if it knows the width of the walls and the size of the walls, at that point, do you need a structural engineer even? Can the, can the software just say, okay, you have this span of wall, you need columns here, 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 or something? You don't need an architect. You, know. <laughs> you don't need an architect, you don't need a yeah. structural engineer through. Yeah, I mean, I think probably it can be done very fast with, with yeah. the current uh, software tools and AI and learning. But is there an ROI for somebody developing that right <laughs> now? Maybe. Always early adopters are, you know, they, they, it's, it's high risk but high reward. And then what's the time horizon? Like maybe, maybe that's a five year, 10 year, 15 year return. I think the problem is not in that per se. Per se. I think the problem is with society accepting this, uh, especially also, you know, the authorities accepting this kind of approach. Uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, someone from their home with an app or on their laptop, they can iPad, you know, they can design their home and yeah, that's what I want and they can have different, even have, you know, augmented reality view of it and all of the stuff. 
and order it online. Yeah, and then it goes through the entire approval process. They get the certificate. You can start printing and or you can start building, and then just have uh, uh, contractors who are specialized in this kind of thing, where they go and they lay the foundation, they bring the printer, print it, finish everything, MEP and all of the stuff, and it's done in six weeks. It's not, it's not science fiction, it's, it's reality. You know, it can be done, it's not that difficult, but it's, it's such a big social change that uh, <laughs> it's going to take some time, but definitely, I mean, uh, anyone who's willing to invest in that, um, I'll be happy to work with them. <laughs> How should people reach out to you if they're interested in doing a project with you? Uh, by email. Uh, they can reach me at, uh, should I say my email? Sure. Uh, EdwardB at TamVinci.com or you can visit our uh, website, either TamVinci, T-A-M, Vinci.com, one word, uh, or 3DVinciCreations.com, uh, 3DVinciCreations with one, it's one word, dot com. And you can send uh, contact uh, details and, and we'll be happy to reach, reach out. Cool, and I'll put a TamVinci link in the description of the video too. Perfect. Um, anything else we should touch on? No, I think uh, I think that was pretty nice, Jared. I hope that uh, you know I I try to be as uh, honest and as open as I can be. You know, there are certain things I cannot, uh, especially for with the companies that I worked with. You know, I, I want to be as objective as possible. Uh, and I hope, truly hope, uh, the work that you're doing is amazing. Honestly, I really, really applaud you for this. Uh, when you first started, uh, you know, two three years ago, uh, I thought really someone covering that area of the world, of the, of the business, of any business, and look at you now, it's amazing, it's really good. Thanks, and it's great talking to you because I think the same about your work. The work <laughs> you're doing is amazing, and especially the different companies you get to work with, you get like a really uh, unique perspective. And I think this is one of the best podcast episodes because you have the different uh, perspectives from each company, and as opposed to when I'm interviewing the CEOs of the companies selling the printers. You don't have as much of a prerogative. Uh, it's more about the uh, more about the experiences you had rather than trying to sell them a printer. You're kind of just passionate about the technology uh, and making projects work however they can best work. As opposed to saying this is the one size fits all solution for everyone. True. No, and and, it, and I think that uh, I'm happy that I have this. Uh, this privilege, if you wish, that, that I've worked with so many providers and, and I know the, the pros and cons and ins and outs of, uh, of working with these organizations and, and also with different clients. Uh, <clears throat> so so this, is, you know, this is wealth to have, actually. It's very nice to have. And uh, thank you for having this uh, podcast. It was really nice. And... I hope that uh, we'll see you again in uh, Dubai soon. Uh, we have a few projects in the pipeline, so next time uh, we'll take you around to, to show you these uh, projects that we're doing. Uh, yesterday, uh, Sheikh Mohammed announced, I, think, I don't know if you read it, uh, 60 billion dirhams for Tubu over the next, I think, 15 or 20 years to build uh, for, for the local Emiratis, mm -hmm. around 11,000 units, housing units. Uh, so, uh, 
So this is an opportunity for, for 3D printing to be part of this offering. Uh, I hope that we will be able to make this technology uh, business business viable, you know, yeah. not just viable, business viable, that it's, again, like we always say, faster, better, cheaper, especially the last uh, part of it, cheaper. Uh, and I think uh, not, we're not too far off. Yeah, thanks for joining me today for this podcast here your, in your office, the 3D Vinci office, uh, for the 3D creation. 3D Vinci is fine. And uh, I can promise you I'll be back, and <laughs> hopefully then we can do a, a second podcast episode when there's been maybe three more, four more, however many more projects are complete by then. Perfect. Right. Perfect. Great. Thank you. Thank you.